This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We are back with Marvel talking about What If, Episode 1. Fräulein Carter, I was wondering when you might visit me. You're wasting your time. I will tell you nothing. He told me everything. According to our German guest, Red Skull believes he can unleash an interdimensional force that will lead Hydra to world domination. And if that fails, world annihilation. Talk about being a few sardines short of a can. The Red Skull has taken cover here at Castle de Crake in the Black Forest. No wonder Hydra targeted Rogers. You'd need the stopper to get close. Colonel, you're lucky to even be in the room. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We are back with Marvel, and we're talking animated shows this time with What If Episode 1. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Defenders. I am one of your other hosts, John. And what if I was Chris? (laughs) You are Chris. You are Chris. I am, I know. But what if I was? (laughs) What if Chris could sing in tune? Ooh. Now that would be a complete that, turn that, for our yeah. podcast after 603 yeah. episodes, an episode where Chris can actually sing would be a, a complete change to our Absolutely. universe. Isn't it? <laughs> okay, producer, you're going to have to auto-tune me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so we're going to start off the episode with a question. Uh, this is what if. What would this episode be called? Uh, we don't have the episode titles, unfortunately, available. What would this episode be called? Captain Carter. What if Captain Carter needs to be a sentence, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's answering a question, and the question it's what if there was Captain Carter? <laughs> I, there you go. That's the question. <laughs> I think it's uh, what if Peggy Carter took the super soldier serum? Yeah, that think? would be close. Uh, yeah, what I, if I don't I think the they're going to be giving episode names that are basically a full sentence. That's what the comic books did. That's why I was wondering. Oh, maybe um, okay, yeah, Grant, because the comic books always had a title of what if. Sergeant Fury was lost in space, or what if Gwen Stacy didn't die, or something like that. So I'm wondering what what the tack they're going to take on uh, Disney+. Plus. I presume they're going to do the usual, release it at 8am and call it What If Epi- Episode 1, and then change the title later in the day. Yes, uh, but, exactly. But right now we don't have the title, so I was wondering if, if anybody wanted to guess that was on. I, I do think... Yes. There you go. What if Captain Carter... Okay. Now, what if Captain Britain met Captain America... And they had a baby. <laughs> okay, uh, not exactly uh, the full episodes that we've had this time. Hey, hey, it, the, the the end the end result is Captain Carter. There you go. Yay! But our, I'm sure our fellow defenders do know the title of the episode, so uh, this is completely uh, useless uh, conversation for our wonderful fellow defenders and our wonderful listeners. Uh, let's get into our discussion about the episode. But if you are joining us for the first time, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on any good or evil podcast player. Just search TV Podcast Industries. Subscribe to the podcast there and you'll get all, all of our discussions about What If and also the other show we're covering, The Bad Batch, which finishes this week, uh, the finale of Star Wars The Bad Batch uh, coming out later on this week. Week. Uh, and then we'll be cracking into all of the rest of the episodes for uh, for What If. So subscribe to us over there. We also want to hear your thoughts about What If. These are all standalone episodes. So each episode is about a specific character and a specific change to the universe. But we do want to hear your thoughts as you go through the episodes. Uh, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts. You can also go to our website and leave us a voicemail at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group. Join us there. We'll have a spoiler post up. Uh, is facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. And they are all standalone, but there is an overarching the watcher element mm-hmm. here, um, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. Whether it comes together a bit somewhere later in the series, um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But certainly, yes, the watcher, which is effectively Marvel's narrator, really. Always, yes. Yes. yes he he pretend, doesn't do anything, just watches. He pretend or always says he doesn't do anything in comic books. Uh, you see quite often that he has uh, interfered in the, yeah. in the storylines <laughs> when they're not playing out the way he wants them to. But He's he always the... says, I'm just watching on. Just exploring the possibilities, kind of thing. He's but, the nosy yeah. neighbor of uh, of Marvel Universe. <laughs> He's <laughs> cr- craning his neck from his local moon. He's um, window twitcher. Yeah, he is the, the blind twitcher. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that's our watcher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. But we do ask ask a question: What if we had all the money in the world? But we don't. 
So if you would like to help us keep the lights on, the engines running, why not head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcasting, which is where you go for a single Marvel dollar. I don't know what the difference between a normal dollar or a Marvel dollar is. You can support us and help us keep the lights going, the hamsters running in the wheels that power the podcast engine. Or you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where you can buy our illustrious producer and editor a coffee to keep him toiling away into the wee hours to auto-tune me into perfect. <laughs> okay, sure. Stop it. Um, <laughs> what if TV podcast industries was like IGN or kind of funny yeah. and had... Money. Millions, all the money, yeah, millions, millions. Well, the big difference between uh, Marvel, Marvel money and uh, and regular money is about five times as much. Chris, I think is the is the. Okay, yeah, perfect. There you go. <laughs> uh, yes, let's get into the details of the episode uh, because this is the first episode. Uh, there'll be a lot of people here that we're talking about for the first time, so give you a little bit of details about who they are. Um, our executive producers on the show are Brian Andrews, AC Bradley, uh, Brad Winterbaum. And of course, Kevin Feige being uh, the executive producer at Marvel. Who's he? Uh, being <laughs> the head of Marvel, John. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, the head writer for the series is AC Bradley, um, who has written this episode. Uh, AC Bradley w- was a writer on Guillermo del Toro's uh, animated kid series, uh, Troll Hunters, and also wrote the Birds of Prey episode uh, for Arrow season two, back when Arrow was really good. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Shade. Well, it's it's off the network now. It's it's, it's it has ended as a show. Yes. So uh, sure. so it's not too much shade to say it used to be good before it was off the air. Um, but a couple of those seasons, <laughs> last couple of seasons, I kind of wish it yeah. had been off the air. Uh, but uh, AC Bradley has also been tapped as the consulting producer and writer for the forthcoming Miss Marvel series. So we will see her back uh, in Marvel after What If, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's great stuff. And supposedly, it's fantastic. So what if it was fantastic? We It will be. Yes, coming out towards the end of this year, so we will see that pretty soon as well. Uh, Hopefully. This episode was directed by Brian Andrews. Loads of animation credits, including Samurai Jack. Uh, he also won two Emmys for his work on the original Star Wars Clone Wars micro-series. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So uh, considering we're covering Star Wars The Bad Batch, kind of cool. There's a connection there as well. Um, but Brian Andrews is actually most well-known as a storyboard artist. He's worked in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on pretty much every movie since Iron Man 2 all the way to Avengers Endgame, storyboarding all the big action sequences within those uh, within those Great movies, which stuff. is quite yeah. a cool yeah, uh, person to bring cool. over, isn't it? To someone that's actually been involved in all of those big moments throughout uh, all these movies. Well, that's what this is. This is essentially a animated storyboard of him of his wildest dreams. It can be, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this episode? Sure. One small choice can change the universe. As the Watcher watches on, Agent Peggy Carter decides not to watch from the observation booth at the creation of America's first super soldier, but to stay close to Steve Rogers as he undergoes Erskine's procedure. But an attack from a Hydra agent to steal the super serum leaves Steve shot and wounded. To save the project from failure, Peggy steps into the chamber to become Britain's first super soldier, Captain Carter. With the Red Skull terrorising Europe, he steals the Tesseract that he plans to use to supplant the Third Reich with Hydra and its champion from another dimension. Captain Carter and the 107th Division with Bucky Barnes are on it as they hunt him down with the help of the Hydra Stomper created by Howard Stark with Tesseract technology and with Steve Rogers at the helm. But on a narrow mountain train track deep in enemy territory, the plan to capture the Red Skull goes badly wrong, and Steve Rogers is taken prisoner. At the Red Skull's lair, he calls on his interdimensional creature using the recovered Tesseract. With the world on a knife edge, Captain Carter and the 107th rescue Steve, and Peggy fights for the survival of her world, pushing the tentacled creature back through the portal, but is lost to its dimension. Steve and Peggy don't get their dance. Seventy years later, at a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, a new portal opens up. As chopped tentacles fly out, Nick Fury and Clint Barton welcome Captain Carter back into her world. Yes, a bit of sushi action there right at the end, <laughs> uh, as a bit of sushi comes flying out, courtesy of the the sword skills of Captain Carter. Absolutely. Isn't it Bucky that goes, uh, who ordered the calamari? We are going to be covering this slightly differently than, than the way we normally do. We always change these up as the shows uh, are released. Uh, something to match the show, I think. Um, this time, what if we had a top three? 
um, is, is our main question. Each of our points will be uh, started as a question. Um, what we're going to talk about is what it's based on. So what show it, or, or movie it came from as the, the original story. Uh, what's the big change uh, that we've seen in the episode? And overall, what has changed in the universe by this specific change happening? Right. Is that a, that a good way to do it, guys? I think so. Yes. Excellent. So what if we had seen this before? Where have we seen this before? Uh, this entire story really is taken from Captain America, the first Avenger, um, really from start to finish. There's not a huge amount yeah. more. The one other element that's added to it is a short uh, a one shot, which was the original Agent Carter one shot. Uh, the story of how she went on and lived her life after Steve Rogers ended off uh, going on ice and ending off in the future. So uh, that's the only other element that I think has been added to it yeah. uh, from the other movies, right? N- uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and no reference to the Agent Carter series, yes, um, which is, uh, I, I guess, makes sense because they don't really, that in a sense never happened in this universe. <sighs> um, so uh, I thought this was, I, I, I think on this point, you know, what if we had seen this before? I think... Um, don't mean to be a negative Nelly from the outset. Like I, I really, I enjoyed this this first episode. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm so familiar with Captain America: First Avenger, yeah. And I know, yes, it changed it up in that you now have Captain Peggy Carter instead of Steve Rogers, but it like it was, it felt so familiar, and um, that I was kind of expecting bigger changes in a sense, not just with. Peggy Carter, but just how then the history runs from there on in. And yes, we get the Hydra Stomper. That is like, you know, it's almost the creation of Iron Man Mm -hmm. uh, by Howard rather than Tony. So, I mean, there's those changes as well. Um, But, and I think that was just my initial reaction after watching it for the first time Mm -hmm. was that it, there wasn't anything too um, different really, other than obviously the big, change yeah. and, I, and i get that i think it's yeah. a good intro it's, it's, and that's kind of the way it, the way i think they've done it here this episode is about what is what if effectively so yeah. uh, it's kind of going right if this this is a very a fairly straightforward way of changing it because we covered the two seasons of agent carter on tv podcast industries we kind of know the character so well and we do know that she's treated very much as an equal to steve rogers she has the same kind of heart she makes the same kind of decisions as steve rogers would so we know how powerful she is as a character and because that's all been ignored in the show here, and if you've never watched Agent Carter, you may not know that about her, that he, that she is a very similar character. So maybe because we've seen her so much of Hayley Atwell in that role and how strong she is as a character, maybe it doesn't feel as dissimilar uh, to the history as we've seen in the movies as well. So uh, I think it might be that. So if you've never seen uh, Agent Carter, go watch it. Uh, this That is the story of her being a very big character and a very strong character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. I I agree with both of you on this in that one that it is not it is not something shocking. Mm-hmm. It's not a shocking start. Yeah, um, I guess and that. Two, yeah, and two, it's um it, if you've seen Agent Carter, you're like, well, I already know this character's ins and outs, but they're they're trying to tell it very quickly in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. It is done, in my opinion. Because no one else knows what a what if is. Yeah. Like this is for the wider, again, the wider audience. Yeah. If you went straight in and did the what if Spider-Man became the Punisher. Mm-hmm. You have so much catching up to do for the, the wider universe, wider understanding of the audience. They're like, oh, okay, hold on. Like, I don't get it. So by keeping it somewhat self-contained more kind of more in lockstep of that it is just the first avenger yeah. but with a slight with a significant change yeah. one small change and so you're you're able to pretty much ease the audience into this understanding of that hey look what if we zigged instead of zagged Yay, I got that in there. Yay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, what if we zigged instead of Zach? Yeah. And essentially, that one small change, what happens? So, and also, everyone who's already seen uh, the Captain America First Avenger knows a lot of the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So, there, there's a lot of fun things. Like, the train scene, I thought I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, I was like, oh, cool. They're going with that Winter Soldier. No. 
But I was like, okay, well, like, still these little changes, then I'm like, oh, yeah. oh what about this and this and this? Yeah. What if this, this and this? Let's talk about that in our second point. Um, what is it that's changed? Our second point this time is what if Peggy Carter took the super soldier serum? So the specific change, which I really like in this, is so small, but changes the entire universe. It's effectively a question comes from Dr. Erskine. Would you like to go upstairs and watch from the from the balcony? And Peggy says no. She says she's going to stay beside, beside Steve. And because she does, most everybody else stays in the same room, which leads to the Hydra agent who is about to attack and uh, destroy the super soldier program he changes his mind and does it at a slightly different time effectively so yeah and um, the bomb is in a different place exactly. it, you know we we had a quick look at that opening scene in captain america first avengers mm-hmm. uh, and weirdly i was trying to wonder why in the movie the hydra agent put the bomb in the observation booth whether yeah. it was just to kill all the assembled people there and yeah. and so on whereas the, in this case then the Hydra agent's bomb is in this big room where Steve Rogers is about to get into that chamber and have all the the injections and so on. And so the explosion takes place with all the equipment in in place and, and basically taking out, I guess, a lot of the people assembled there to watch it. So like that small choice um, has, dare I say, explosive consequences uh, here. And I I thought that was really good. And I I liked as well how you had the other little small changes um, through through this um, whole episode. Like like on the train, as you mentioned, Chris, where, you know, Bucky is effectively um, doesn't fall and plunge into the valley from the train. It's Steve uh, in, in a different guys in the hydra stomper uh, effectively being captured here mm. um and that those those kind of little changes you know as well with the the tesseract being recovered by the the yeah. um SSR and and the US uh, and that being used to effectively create the first iron man um suit here yeah. uh, so that and in in the different situation so there's a there's a there's there's the big change yeah. with Peggy, um, and I thought that was really cool. I, I loved her interaction with Howard. It, it really felt um, like the movie. Um, I thought that was really good, and I think just having Haley Atwell um, and Dominic Cooper back yeah. doing that, it, it felt really natural. It felt like the movie reprising um, their roles from yeah, Agent Carter absolutely. the TV show as well, and so, yeah. yeah, reprising the roles from Agent Carter. So. I really did like uh, all of that. And one other change that I noticed in this scene as well, that's a little bit of a blink and you miss it uh, change, is that Colonel Phillips, who was played in the movies by Tommy Lee Jones, is shot and killed at this moment, which means somebody else takes over the SSR. The relationship in the movie between uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character and Helly Atwell's character, they were very close. They had He had a lot of respect for her because he'd seen her uh, grow up effectively in the army and work side by side with him. Um, whereas because he's killed, we have a completely different leader of the SS or Captain Flynn, who has no respect for Carter here. He doesn't even want her to take yeah. on the powers. He actually would be willing to give up on the whole program if a woman takes on the, the leadership role here and takes on the role of the super soldier. You hear him say, shut the program down. Later on, he, he gives out about her and said that she's been insubordinate by um, by jumping into this position and taking over from Steve Rogers. So uh, I thought that was quite interesting. That's quite a significant change. And it's kind of, a again, a blink and you miss it moment. Yeah, and I, it, it also just allows, um, I guess, the change in motivation because you, you know, in, in a sense, Colonel Flynn represents that 1930s misogyny mm-hmm. element here. I guess, and yeah. that that were you know, there's a change in the hierarchy, you know, because you could go, well, what if it was Bucky Barnes and 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 Dum Dum Duggan who said, well, I'm not following um, a woman into mm-hmm. into battle, so they're never on the train, for example. But of course, that would be a little bit too much, probably, for 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 Marvel to to do that. So they they have that whole element here uh, with uh, Colonel Flynn. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the the butterfly effect, where essentially uh, the one beat of the butterfly wings exponentially starts changing, and another beat, another beat, another beat, another beat. Yeah. Chaos theory. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. That it's this 
it's this one small change then starts making has this huge ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And we start seeing those changes and changes. So I, I do want to call out quickly, look, Captain Carter is from the comic books. It was from The Exiles, which was this multiversal kind of hopping um, comic book series, which was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But she was from that. And it's quite similar, but slightly different. This very much more follows the MCU, yeah. Captain America origin, uh, essentially. Like yeah. that. So when you start adding that, and it's like, it's interesting. It is, from a writing perspective, it's that fun exercise I think they've done, which is, yeah. okay, well, these are all the key beats and things that happened in Captain America First Avenger. Yeah. If we made this one small change at the beginning, how would that theoretically affect this part than this part? Like the bail bonds, uh, when the, um, uh, Stark basically gives Carter her suit. Yeah. Uh, he was like, this was made for you for the, the tour, uh, yeah. that you would have gone on to sell bonds. Um, but with some upgrades. And is that's the, like, that's the joke that happens. That's what happens in First Avenger. Yeah. Like Steve goes on those, that tour. Yeah. All these fun, Little tweaks and changes and things like that. Um, I have to say one of the, the, the best aspects of this and the best scenes, if you want to call it for me, was the, the scene in Berlin, mm-hmm. um, where they, it's, she takes down the convoy to first get the Tesseract and it's her taking control of yeah. her destiny. And it is very much a Agent Carter thing to do. She, like, be kept, she was told no. And then is very much, well, I'm going to do it anyway yeah. and get yeah. given the tools. And then, but it's that excitement that yeah. you can hear in her voice. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's like, oh my God, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. And it's just, this is Hayley Atwell. Amazing. What does she say? She says, where have you been all my life? As yeah. she's using the shield to sort of, you know, crunch up the, the Nazi troopers and, mm-hmm. and explode the, 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 the motorbikes and all that. I thought that was really, really good. And, yeah. you know, she looked really good in the suit as well. I thought mm-hmm. the suit was really, yeah. really good, uh, with the they shield. They didn't make her too buff. No. It was, it's just, it wasn't this kind of Titania or kind of, um, some of those other female comic book characters that look like a swimsuit model, but like really big and tall, like seven foot, and like they they made this much more realistic. I think I think she I think looked a, a little bit take. like uh, Jennifer Walters, um, She Hulk. Yes, um, yeah. I think that's I think that was the look that I that I saw in the in the style of art, so that was really cool. Uh, I absolutely loved her flipping trucks over her head using the shield. I thought that was really awesome looking. Yeah. And yes, taking out the gigantic. At Nazi, who was walking towards her by just snapping him in the in the leg and punching him in the stomach, was cool. That was really good. Which yeah. was more is potentially some of the most violent we've seen in some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She literally punches his kneecap backwards, yeah, <laughs> and we see it, yeah. and there's a crunch, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, bar the like bone sticking out and a bit of blood like that would have been the, the most violent gory scene aspect we've ever seen in the mcu do you know what i loved about this really uh, i even said it while we were watching the episode all the way through these last uh, 20 odd movies uh, it's gone progressively more towards robots aliens um as our as our enemies pretty much always it's it's uh, robots and aliens that they're killing over and over again uh, of course when you go back to captain america the first avenger it's nazis who are still human, but they're Nazis, so you can kill as many of them as you possibly want to, <laughs> which I love. It's just this, it's this unspoken kind of, uh, thing that's in there from, uh, from movie makers and, t- and TV show makers where they go, well, if it's Nazis, just slaughter them all. No problem at all. But if you're, if you're talking about any other type of human, then no, you can't yeah. have to replace them with aliens or with, uh, or robots. Well, the other thing, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, um, the, I love the bit on where she's running alongside the bike and she goes, can I, I have a go? I thought that was really nice as well. <laughs> And um, there's great, I think it was the best, it, it was kind of the best bit of animation for me. It just felt really epic where she's gone in to save um, the, the 107 mm-hmm. uh, division and the, all the tanks come. But she she does this. what happens in Captain America First Avenger with the shield punching one of the tank shells mm-hmm. away to yeah. explode and I, I just thought that was that was pretty pretty epic well, um cool. i mean she has some great moves in here as well yeah and um, but with with that change as well i really liked how they still kept the relationship between her 
and Steve in, yes. in that, you know, the, the two of them are birds of a feather. That's where their relationship has come. And that's something that I guess even persisted in this other universe in yeah. that sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was really good. And certainly with the change right at the end about, you know, we still haven't had our dance, you know, those little touch points from the movie, yeah. but just being reversed. So I, I thought that was a real nice choice that they, they, they did here to bring that in. Cause yeah, it could be stomp, stomp all this, um, you know, kill all the Nazis, which it was yeah. and some brilliant and, um, but you know, really reminiscent, uh, of, just thinking of the Howling Commando comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I'd, it'd be great if they'd done some of the, um, sort of comic bubble screams from, <laughs> is it like, ay, that kind of stuff. Um, is there a Wilhelm scream in the episode? Uh, well, considering we've got that. Exactly. I was just thinking. <laughs> um, so, but I, I like that they kept that kind of close personal element between Steve and Peggy as well. But it is really important to Captain America fans and, and Peggy Carter fans. It's really important that their that their love story is it, it kind of bookends the universe. Really, you know, the first Avenger is one of the earliest in the timeline of movies, obviously being set in the in the thirties. Uh, um, and the end of Avengers Endgame is the two of them getting back together and having their dance. And it's really important to fans of those two characters that their love story began not when he got the super soldier serum. Their love story began when they met and she understood who he is as a person. Um, so I love that they kept that in there. It's not because he has the super soldier serum and has the most amazing body in the Marvel Universe. That's not the reason they're together. That's, but it helps. that's just making the inside match the outside, <laughs> uh, effectively. Um, but, uh, but it is their, closeness as you say captured uh, in this episode that works really well i for for me the the visuals especially in those scenes that you talked about like the introduction of the brooklyn the hydra stomper mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna ask as a resident uh, iron man fan chris what did you think of the this first version of iron man now created by howard stark what do you think i liked it I, this for me was a, a piece of fun again we did know that howard was as much, if not more, of a genius than Anthony mm-hmm. at some points, because he did create the the additional element that then goes on to power um, Tony Stark suits. That's right. Yep. Going forward, in from what three onwards, two onwards, two onwards. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um. So all the like we know a lot of these aspects. So yes, if if Stark got the Tesseract back in those day, he would create something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, we do know that, like, say, the, the, the car, if we look, they brought back the car, uh, Red Skull's car, yeah. which was fantastic. Um, so all these just little bits, I, I think I enjoyed seeing Rogers in that and then getting that Let's Dance scene mm-hmm. where the two of them are basically t- taking down all these Panzer Dragoon tanks, mm-hmm. multiple of them. And it's just, this is, this was what what got me. It was the choice, and it's something I suppose you do have to. It's because of the director being a storyboard artist. You could pause a lot of these episodes, and they are cinematic in scope, mm-hmm. like yeah. the actual the, the still itself, um, and it's always well framed and things like that. Whereas sometimes, say in a more live action, you're going to have transition scenes. Yeah. And things like that, that they need to fill out with and kind of set the scene. In this one, it, it, it it's like looking, it's like looking at a moving picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But essentially it was, yeah. it was that you could, you could almost gif some of these and it would just be beautiful. Like the, the scene of when you're looking down as Peggy Carter on Berlin at the convoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That looks like almost like a Picasso Starry Night type feel with the dark blues and hues with the yellow dots. Like it's just beautifully designed. Mm. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. when you start adding in these, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it is really nice. When you add in the action, yeah. the action which looks at, to, at points like something out of uh, a Japanese anime. Mm. It's high intensity octane with um, essentially. Fast cuts, but while keeping the character centered the stage. 
So what you'll see in a lot of the anime and stuff like that, the character themselves is the point of focus, and they stay in quite center of the um, screen. Mm-hmm. And then the 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 screen shifts and turns left or right in a high pace. Yeah. So you'll see that, say, for example, where uh, Steve takes out one of the first tanks, gets shot by the tank, and then grabs it and then swings it. Yeah. He stays center. The cameras moves. W- Around him yeah. as he swings. Yeah. I, I by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I am as describing this moving around <laughs> yeah. my mic. Yep, and his producer is telling him to move his mouth and keep it close to the mic because yes. uh, you may not be able to hear him, so, <laughs> which yes, is the most I'm important sorry. thing for a podcast. I was like, ah, <laughs> it's all it's all good. Now the the animation style is really really good. It's interesting because we're covering another animated show at the moment. We're we're still covering Star Wars: The Bad Batch, which is the best looking three D animated show on TV. This is very different. The style of animation here is is cell shaded graphics, but it does look fantastic and does yeah, match yeah. in quite well with that style from the forties. Exactly, the, the kind of propaganda posters <laughs> it, that you yeah. would have seen. Uh, I, I think that's the kind of style they're going for in this episode. That's it. It definitely connects in with the the time period as well. And the other thing as well, I wanted to kind of mention is, you know, we have here with the Red Skull as well is that he's not looking to drop the Tesseract on New York or anything like that as per. Uh, the first Avenger movie, this is where he's looking to actually uh, go a bit more magical, mysterious, uh, interdimensional by bringing in the Hydra champion mm-hmm. uh, into the world to destroy it. But a- as a result of that as well, we have the Red Skull effectively being squished um, by by his own champion. Um, so I guess he won't be on Vormir in this world either. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's another big element here that 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 did change ultimately. That's true. I was, um, I was wondering, yeah, about that story. So we've got. I think it's because the Red Skull doesn't have the Tesseract to hand the whole time, which is what he has in uh, First Avenger. He has it available to him to work on weapons effectively. But because he steals it back, I wonder if it's just driven him a little more crazy that he had to chase this for longer. Is that what it is? Because uh, he seems a little bit more uh, off kilter here. Again, why why would you bring in an interdimensional space creature <laughs> as your champion, uh, especially one that squishes you instantly? You have no idea how to control it, which is what happens here with uh, with. But they are uh, kind of that unit, aren't they? In in the third Reich, mm-hmm. which is about you know the the myths, the legends. Um, oh yeah. So it's drawing from that. But the nice bit about it is that on the 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 door from the church that they took the tesseract mm-hmm. from in Norway is you you have it focuses in on the tesseract with the circle the portal with the tentacles coming out so in effect he, he's he's um he's going off the mythology of this this power source um that's the way I right. um sort of read it rather than, you know, you see him looking at the door, analyzing it yeah. rather than simply they're using it in a weaponized form to yeah. effectively destroy New York. It's weird. Back at the time when I watched First Avenger, I always thought that was the world tree that was, uh, that was on the wall, um, where the, where the Tesseract was. But, uh, yeah, it does look very different in the, in this uh, animated show. I need to actually go back and watch the scene in First Avenger now that uh, you're probably right. It is probably tentacles that no, are stretching the, out. The, the world tree is still there. I think this right. is a small part of that yeah. whole thing. Um, but it, it, the, the camera does focus on it for mm-hmm. a, a brief moment and it shows you exactly what the Red Skull is looking to do yeah. with this interdimensional creature. I, I thought it was the world tree's nubbin, essentially. It's, it's just this kind of weird little nudge and you're like, Hmm. If you're going to press that button, no, okay. <laughs> but you're right. I do. I do really like this as well. The the idea that we have Red Skull, you know, proclaiming that he is the winner here, got the champion, and he just gets squished instantly by the Kraken coming through. I thought that was a really funny moment. Speaking of which, speaking of Red Skull, great to see Ross Marcon back again, uh, doing the voice reprising his role that he took over from Hugo Weaving. Um, he played Red Skull on Vormir in, in Avengers. Great to see him back. Uh, on this show, second animated show this year that we've had Ross Marquand on this year, Chris. We had him on, yes. uh, on Invincible as well. I know. And so we were talking about the multiple animated shows. This is actually our third animated show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're all so different. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Just slightly. So, by the way, if you like animated and if you like more adult animated, check out Invincible. Mm-hmm. If you like Star Wars uh, and animated, check out Bad Batch. If you like Marvel and animated, stay right here on exactly. What If. Exactly. <laughs>
but again, you know, it's something that we're going to see as we go through the rest of the series. The the cast that they have returning for these shows is really good. You've already mentioned Haley Atwell and, and Dominic Cooper coming back to reprise their roles uh, in the show. Uh, also great to have a an excellent moment with uh, one of our favorite characters, Arnim Zola, uh, Toby Jones, coming yeah, back yeah. Uh, to play his role of uh, refusing to give up the information to Agent Carter. I will tell you nothing. He told me everything. Uh, it's hilarious. A great, and great the little shyster as well. Absolutely. That, 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 that was good. Yeah. <laughs> really good to see that. Um, also, Neil McDonough coming back as Dum Dum Duggan. Uh, some of, uh, some viewers may know Neil McDonough from his role on, on Arrow. Uh, I am a massive Nick Fury fan, as our listeners may know, and he, he has, uh, embodied the role of Dum Dum Duggan as he's taken it on over the years, uh, in a couple of different, uh, times. He was in, uh, Agent Carter, Agents of Shield as Dum Dum Duggan, obviously, uh, Captain America as well. So, um, so good to see him back on there. And one other person that reprised their role, which is the one I kind of mentioned in the setup of the episode, one other person who came back, um, Captain Flynn is the same actor who played the role of Captain Flynn in the Agent Carter one shot, which I just think is really interesting that they brought the actor back to play that role again. Uh, and he plays a much bigger part here, obviously. And the Agent Carter one shot it is literally he shouts down the phone going, I will never let this woman be a leader of, of our uh, of the SSR kind of thing. And that's kind of it, or a leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think is what he says in, in the one shot. Whereas here we have him uh, pretty much a, a main character in this episode. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I have to say, the, the the choice of who they brought back for, again, I, as, as I talked about that kind of ripple effect, I, I know that they, they they also probably had to kind of go, well, who 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 is available? And when you start looking at this, everyone is seemingly available. Absolutely. <laughs> I suppose when you're Disney, you kind of go, well, we could just, here's a check, just write your amount to make sure you're available on these days. Yeah. There we are. I think it's a really interesting project as well, though. You know, that's, yeah. that's the kind of thing. Like it was, it was, we remembered those days back in the Agent Carter times with Dominic Cooper. He, he had become quite a big star in other projects that he was doing. He had a lot of work going on. And we, I remember at the time going, I wonder whether they're going to be able to get him back, um, for this show. Uh, in the same way as Neil McDonough, he was a, a big player on Arrow at the time. So whether they were going to get him back on the show, uh, was, was a, a surprise to get him in for an episode or two effectively. Uh, whereas now, Animated show, you can kind of fit it in around people's schedules as well. So, uh, and it's a, a really interesting concept, the first ever animated show from Marvel Studios. So, um, so why not? Um, why not, why not come back? We won't have everybody back. We know that, uh, for the rest of the season, but definitely in this, in this, um, episode, having a lot of these characters back is, is, uh, is, has been really good. Uh, we do have to mention finally, uh, though the member of cast, obviously Jeffrey Wright as being the, uh, the voiceover of Watcher for pretty much all of the episodes. He will be the person that will be guiding uh, everybody through. How did you think he he worked as the uh, as the guiding voice? I I just think he has a really nice soothing sort of comforting mm-hmm. um, headspace calm. Yeah, kind real of like, kind of. We're gonna take you on a guided meditation exactly. of you, the you, Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's exactly it. You yeah. you could be at you know Disney World and his sort of dulcet, softly spoken tones could you know take you quite nicely round the the the, the different. Um, things and things to see in in disney world Mm -hmm. and on on the tour so like he's perfect for this um and uh i I really just yeah it was just nicely comforting i guess like like it was like bedtime you know it was like you were tucked up in bed (laughs) and you were getting your story told to you so um yeah it was really nice perfect choice right uh so really good to see you here uh jeffrey wright known from uh westworld and uh will be the new jim gordon in the new uh batman movie uh, coming out next year so uh, I think he even has his own show coming out uh, the GCPD TV show on HBO Max uh, starring him as well so we will be going back to Gotham I know for for that one as well um, let's close out our points on this episode then if uh, if that's alright um, our last point for each of our episodes I think is going to be what if something big changed so what is the big big change here we've talked about the minor change which is uh, Peggy staying behind and all the impacts that were there but the big change here for this episode uh, and what and how it will impact the universe, this universe that we may never see again. Of course, we don't know how the show is actually going to pan out. So, what's the big change here? Really, it's Peggy's arrival in New York at Shield in the present day, instead of either Loki or Captain America. I couldn't really work out because the the actual moment itself looks like Loki's arrival in yeah, Avengers, definitely, and that's where Peggy arrives. Whereas Captain America's arrival in New York was right in the center of the city. Um, but we have. 
Nick Fury, once again played by Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, Clint Barton, uh, played by Jeremy Renner, standing in the room, seeing this portal open up and Captain Carter walking through. So if if she gets there instead of Loki, that changes the whole of Avengers, right? Yep. Yeah. And there's no other Captain America in this world. So she is the Captain America of this world in present day now. Yeah, this was the the biggest aspect of it, which is, you're right, it's essentially the Loki scene. It's the um, facility that's uh, out in the desert that we see kind of Phil Coulson and Nick Fury go to at the beginning of Avengers, um, where that that does explode as Loki steals the Tesseract and runs. So this is that. It's not in the centre of New York where Captain America was... Vital, well, he, where he wakes up after being thawed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in, it's an interesting piece. The question be, then becomes, well, okay, does Thanos still send Loki back? And if so, how does he get there? Mm. So with the Shatari. Um, or is Thanos the big bad still? Um, is it more this Hydra monster, which is now Shishimi? Um, it's gone now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like just chunks of it. This, for me, was fun. It is an interesting next step. And this is the problem with what ifs, mm-hmm. is that I want to see more. That is that I want to see, oh, okay, well, is Steve now, did he set up S.H.I.E.L.D.? So, obviously, S.H.I.E.L.D. is there with Nick Fury yep. and, and Hawkeye. So, does then Steve set up S.H.I.E.L.D. along with Stark mm-hmm. uh, instead of Peggy and Stark? So who? How does that play out over those seventy years? Like, what is the potential changes that have happened since that point? But also, then, like, do we get a like how how is Bruce Banner affected by this? Because Bruce Banner was doing uh, Super Soldier experiments for Project Rebirth his version of Project Rebirth in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, is there a Hulk? Or is it not Bruce Banner? Like, all these interesting, again, ripples. So, it all then does come to, I want to see more, but we're not going to. And that's the kind of fun thing, isn't it? I'd love to talk to some of the writers that have worked on What If since 1977. It was very rare to have a What If story expand on beyond those one issues. So, what you're really trying to accomplish with the story is, wouldn't it be cool to see what happens next is kind of the kind of the thing, you know, here's our what if story. Here's the changes that happened to the universe. Here's, here's the end for what we're going to see of that. And will we come back to it in future? Well, that's the next comic series is what's next question. mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Will, do you think we will come back to this in the future? Do you think we will see it all tie up in episode nine of the season where we have the end of all of these episodes tying into one big episode of everybody together or something like that? It's difficult to know because, and you know, it's it's trying not to sort of spoil anything about the 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 next two mm-hmm. um, shows, to be honest. But it 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 certainly, um, I th- I, th- I think it could do, but I, I don't know whether it will. I guess that's it. That's really all we can say uh, at this point. That we don't know how it's going to play out. What we do know is that the shows at the moment are in isolation. The episodes themselves are about a character or a few movies and, and things that things that would change uh, in them. Yeah. But we don't know how the series itself, whether there's going to be a story that's brought together at the end, right? Exactly. And I, I think, so they're in the, the Marvel What Ifs, there have been one or two. So there's the Exiles comic books in the comic book side that basically are essentially those alternate reality of jumping, but a more cohesive storyline. Yeah. And then with Marvel Zombies, which started out essentially as a what-if, but it was a, it was its own thing. But it was essentially a what-if storyline. Kind of. Um, it wasn't in the what-if storylines. It was uh, just an alternate universe story. Uh, yes, yeah. it, exactly. Sorry, it's just okay. So in that also same vein as Paradise X, Universe X, things like that. It was, it's a, a single change... It wasn't a what-if canonical story. Yeah. It was a single-change ultimate universe. That has continued for three, four books, and it's this cohesive storyline that started dropping into other universes yeah. and things like that. So I can see them doing it. We know there is a season two mm-hmm. being planned at the same point. So there's part of me is like, yes, I want a cohesive story where everything comes together and there is a multiversal threat that they have to grab 
Carter and someone and someone and someone and someone, and they all come together for the Guardians of the Multiverse. At the same time, these are fun <laughs> one shots. Essentially, these are one shots, and it, you don't need a, a more overarching cohesive story because then you can drop in and out. It's like oh, I'm not re-, like some people may not be interested in whatever episode, so they don't need to watch it. They can come back the fo- following episode. Exactly. Yeah, we strongly suggest that's the case, but. Anyway. Absolutely, or they might come back next season and have um, the continuing adventures of Agent Carter in, yes. uh, or Captain Carter now in uh, in present day. Um, well, on that note, do you guys defend the episode? What did you think of it overall, John? Do you defend the first episode of What If? Yeah, I, I do defend um, this this episode. I'd give it three and a half uh, blue buttons out of five. <laughs> um, I think um, I just I, I thought this was really nice. I love seeing uh, Agent Carter sort of become this super soldier. Mm-hmm. I loved um, that they kept those intimate moments between her and Steve. Um, I thought the animation was great. Um, you know, I liked the the subtle little changes throughout the story as well. Um, and, and I think sort of after, you know, discussing it here, I think there's more changes than maybe on initial viewing. I, I, I thought there was. Right. So, um, but it, it certainly does keep tightly to the same overarching story ultimately it doesn't really diverge diverge too much in terms of ultimately where we end up it's just that it's peggy arriving in um in the shield facility rather than loki and and captain america as we know it uh from the first avengers um isn't frozen um in in the arctic so uh, you know it it has those really nice little subtle changes it it was great just seeing the animation i thought howard stark was great in mm-hmm. this as well and and the the banter with with um with peggy carter uh, the suit looked really cool um here and um yeah i do defend uh, this episode of what if excellent how about yourself chris Hundred percent defenders. Yeah. Now, now I'm gonna like skip, like jump the goat or anything like that. It's it asks a simple question, gives a simple answer, uh, or sorry, gives a, a detailed answer. Um, and I think that's going to be the fun aspect of this, where you can potentially build these fantastic, fun, multiversal questions and not have it ruin upcoming movies and you can explore the these fun aspects and if they keep giving us animation like this and direction like this and writing like this give me another three seasons right um based on this singular episode again we will see how the season plays out exactly (laughs) maybe it falls apart maybe this is the strongest i don't think so again it is marvel and it is the same as One Division and Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this is a Marvel MCU product, so you know it's going to be well written, well thought out, and more than likely have some fantastic, overarching, all connected storyline. Maybe we will see. I love the idea of maybe Sylvie just appearing uh, at the end of an episode to drag yeah. these people in and out of their times. <laughs> it would be fantastic. Be cool. But speaking of that, then what do you think? Do you defend? I really enjoyed this. I'm I'm a big fan of of Captain America, as everybody knows. The the three movies are probably in my top five of uh, of all of the Marvel movies. So um, so I really enjoyed this. But to John's point, right at the beginning of this episode, I've seen Captain America: First Avengers so often. I've watched it a lot. That's probably why he's seen it a lot. I've watched it a lot, yeah. so I know all of the beats of it. And I think what's what's probably most interesting about this episode is it's the right episode to choose for the start of What If. But yeah. it doesn't mean it's the best example of what if can deliver. The reason yeah. why I think it's the best is because it's a reasonably minor change. Peggy Carter is a very similar character to Steve Rogers in the fact that she leads with her heart and her head. She's a very strong character. And if thrust into this position, like Steve Rogers was, she'd make similar decisions. She would be headstrong. She would be the kind of person that you could depend on to lead a whole team. She's yeah. very similar. So therefore, the change actually doesn't change a huge amount about the universe. Great to see that Steve Rogers still became a hero because he does deserve that. His story itself deserves that he still should become a hero. So great to see that incorporated into the story. But it's it's probably on the lower end of 
the kind of things that what if can do so great to see all those moments again but i have seen the movie quite a few times so it didn't yeah. feel too special on the first episode um but really enjoyed it overall and great to see all these actors coming back uh from again one of my favorite uh, eras of the marvel cinematic universe too with that gentleman what if we went to the pub do you know that was a question we were asking for a year and a half when we we're in lockdown <laughs> <laughs> what if we just went to the pub and waited for this all to blow up <laughs> exactly yeah. i couldn't exactly. even do that isn't that terrible uh yes uh, our pub quiz returns for marvel's what if yes it does fellow quizzes mm-hmm. fellow defenders uh send in your answers for this series of what if to mm-hmm. feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you can send them in weekly or send them in all at the end uh we'll plonk these up over on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com but question one for episode one what was the name of the Red Skull's castle? Ooh, very good, very good. That's where the uh, the Kraken came out and killed yes. them. Yes, 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 yes. Excellent. So that's the first question of nine. There'll be uh, one question in each episode. We've already chosen our prize, and you'll be uh, unsurprised that it is uh, some Funko Pops. But the reason why is because the Funko Pops for What If are really interesting. It's the the alternate versions of these characters from the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. really cool. And they've already released about five or six of them, and they look fantastic. So we'll choose a few of those, and at the end of the season, we will give them away to the listener that has given us the most correct answers. Yeah, absolutely. So get your thinking caps on. Excellent. Turn on those uh, enclosed captions uh, just in case. <laughs> yep. And of course, uh, keep uh, an eye out for the the answers in this series of What If. Excellent. John, do you want to give the question one more time? Absolutely. What was the name of the Red Skull's castle? Fantastic. That is it. That is the end of our coverage of what if episode one? Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week uh, with our coverage of episode two. We can say this. We've seen the second episode of What If, and it is really, really good. We will not spoil anything here. But to be honest, I would say by the time this comes out, um, reviews will be available for episode two and episode three. So you're probably going to know what's in the episode. But until then, we're not going to spoil anything here. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you enjoyed this episode, I think it's slightly better than this one, actually. Uh, but if you enjoyed this episode, stay with us uh, for the rest of the season of What If. Yes, do. Make sure you stay here. Make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you send us your feedback at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and let us know what you think. Head on over to Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where you can leave us your thoughts on our spoiler post for each and every episode. And if you want and you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more of our dulcet tones, you can head on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries where for a Marvel book, Book 05, you can support us and help keep the hamsters in the wheels running. That's it, the end of the beginning of What If uh, Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We'll be back later this week uh, with our discussion on the Bad Batch Season 1 finale. Star Wars The Bad Batch, looking forward to that as well. Ooh. And we'll be back, of course, next week with Episode 2. Thank you. Thank you so much, and we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Defenders, for joining us. As always, it's great chit-chatting about these shows uh, but just remember keep watching like the watcher keep listening like the listener if one exists and of course keep defending like a defender bye bye bye, bye.